Hello, human peoples. You're listening to the podcast network of Gamefully Unemployed. Support us and gain access to great exclusive podcasts like Fox Mulder is a Maniac, Tom and Jeff Watch Batman, Star Trek The Next Futurama, and our latest show, Spiel Boys. Head over to patreon.com slash gamefullyunemployed. We do game streaming, movie nights with our patrons every Friday night, and you can even commission your own podcast about anything you want. Literally anything, within reason. And we have to do it. You are quite frankly out of excuses not to go visit patreon.com slash gamefullyunemployed. That's patreon.com slash G-A-M-E-F-U-L-L-Y unemployed, which is spelled like it sounds. All you motherfuckers are going to pay. You are the ones who are the ball lickers. We're going to fuck your mothers while you watch and cry like little whiny bitches. We're going to make them eat our shit, then shit out our shit, and then eat their shit that's made up of our shit that we made them eat. And then all you motherfuckers are next. Love, Jane Bob. Welcome to Old Smith, New Smith, I believe this is called. Yeah, I think, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Without looking it up, I know the names yep. of the podcast. <laughs> Without double checking, I will say this with supreme confidence. Yeah. Uh, brought to you by at Nerd Numbers, our Patreon producer. Thank you so much, at Woo! Nerd Numbers. Thank you. Uh, I made a little Italian. You can't see. It. I made a little Italian hands when I oh, said yeah. that. Um, uh, just letting you know. Uh, it's uh, a me, uh, a Nerd Numbers. It's a me, a Nerd Numbers. Uh, listen, this is a podcast where we've been watching um, Kevin Smith films uh, in in two part. In two-part sections, we watch an old Kevin Smith film, and then we watch a new Kevin Smith film, and we compare the two, and we've been starting on the outside moving in, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah. So we've been, we've been, we started with like Clerks and the Jane Silent Bob reboot, because Clerks 3 didn't exist yet. That's true. Uh, Very extremely true. Yeah, we should talk about if we want to cover like a special ending of this to cover like almost like a We Just Watched for Clerks 3. I still haven't watched it. Oh, you should. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Check that Um, out. But we're not on Clerks 3. We're on 1999's Dogma, which we will then pair with uh, 2011. Yeah, 2011's Red State, which, mmm, fun matchup. Yeah, I think it's going to connect in a lot of ways that we might not uh, expect. Yeah. So we're going to talk. Yeah, we're going to just talk about Dogma and then we'll talk about that how we think it'll match up mm-hmm. um boy this is this this movie i want to start sorry go ahead just, this movie is not online number one <laughs> this movie is not online it's I so am, 99 i am not surprised yep and i have i have the good dvd of it but I, it's in massachusetts so i quickly bought a version online and boy was this, it's some real like 2001 bullshit where it's like a double-sided DVD where one side's full screen. Oh yeah, uh, I had that one. it's like, Jesus Christ. That was because yeah. that was the first one that came out and then they did the two-disc special edition. Yeah. <clears throat> um, this, if you recall, Miramax didn't put this one out because they were, uh, they, they, they blinked uh, in the face of all the controversy surrounding it because oh, it was a, no. it's a movie about religion and specifically about, as the title suggests, about Catholic dogma and Catholicism. Um, and it's, it's a Kevin Smith movie, so it's loaded with dick and fart jokes. Um, so there was a uh, not um, 
quiet uh, pushback to this film where a lot of people were clutching their pearls over it. Yeah, there were protests. Kevin Smith joined the protests. It begins with a disclaimer. Uh, So this was actually put out by Lionsgate as opposed to Miramax, which had released all of his movies up to that point. This is only his fourth film. This is early enough in his career. I know. That all he had done before this was Clerks, Small Rats, and Chasing Amy. Is that why it's not online? Because the the big... I suspect it has something to do with the controversy. Well, here's what I think. It's it's probably more legal bullshit. I saw a video that was Kevin Smith explains why Dogma isn't online, and Ooh. I didn't click on it, and I should have. You should have. Um, but I just didn't have time. I imagine, because the thing about the controversy is it is now very quaint. It's extremely uh, quaint. Like, this is such an... in in. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. So the, I can't. The, the I current climate of America, I could see people eating themselves inside out over this fucking yeah, movie. Yeah, but I can't see. I can't see any any company not releasing it because of that. My that's why my guess is it's like legal mumbo jumbo, where it's like well because we don't need of to that s- controversy. Yeah, yeah, we don't have to speculate. Um, but. The, the disclaimer is very funny, by the way. The platypus stuff is very funny. Yeah. Um, this is a 20-year-old film, and I want to start with that thought. More than. Yeah, it's more al- than. Almost 25. This Jesus. movie, Dave, this movie is almost a quarter century old. Yep. And so this does feel like a life of Brian where you're like, this was controversial? Yeah. Like, you can, you can get why, but you're also, it's very funny that yeah. it's like... It's, it is very... Life of Brian is a perfect analogy. It is very Life of Brian. It is yeah. so... It's like, yeah, it's it's offensive if you're like really trying to clutch your pearls, but like it's so it's ultimately so harmless. Yeah. Well, and it's, here's and okay. it's, it's somebody who is a Catholic and who grew up Catholic just poking fun at Catholicism. And it still lands I, on God is real, the message is real. So it's not like saying Catholicism is all bullshit. It's like a, it's specifically commenting on what the title suggests dogma. Is dogma. The yeah. belief structure that people have created around Catholicism. Yeah, I would argue. Oh, right, that where this the is Catholicism actually... is, the, is the belief structure. You guys know what I meant. Anyway, sorry. Yeah, I would argue that this is actually one of the best appeals for religion. This is one of the. This is this this is pro religion. It is, um, but it not humanizes the Bible. That's yes. the big thing about it. And it also it doesn't end on a point of you need to accept religion or else you're going to hell. It doesn't really end on that message. It ends with no. like, uh, like... It's about a good idea. Yeah, it's about a good idea. It's about believing in something to the extent that it enriches and supports your life and, and makes you a better, more fulfilled person and a kinder person. And none of the, none of the negative bullshit that goes with right. religion. This movie isn't trying to make me religious. And no, it didn't. not at all. And it, yeah, um, it absolutely didn't preaching. for me. Um, but it humanizes the idea of it, like yes. the lore behind it. Like the, the part where he talks about like, can you imagine being a 12-year-old boy and told that you're the son of God? Like those moments is what makes it for me because they're taking religious figures and they're saying, but they're people. They're yeah. actually people. They're human and beings, like, yeah. Yeah, and that's, that's, that's like the, the biggest asset of this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, it is, again, going back to it's almost 25 years old, what strikes me about it is that this movie is progressive for its time. And it's so, again, in a lot of ways, kind of adorable. Yeah. No, I mean, like, this is pre gay marriage, right? Like, this is pre a lot of things, uh, pre 9 11. And you can feel it because it's like, wow. 
Like the Chris Rock showing up and being like, Jesus was black. And they're like, oh, no. And it's like, that feels like accepted information. I, obviously not in every circle, but that's the sort of thing where it's like most people would go, yeah, like, yeah, he was probably Middle Eastern, right? Like, yeah, I love the point that he makes, too. He's like, people love the message of, of, of the Bible and Jesus, and then some people, and right up until they find out he's a black person, and then exactly. they, they hate it. It's like, why yeah. is that the sticking point? So like, yeah. I, I do like that it... My, my biggest... I think the biggest hit against this movie is it's really just a series of conversations, but which, I mean, like, a lot... That's... Let me be more specific. This is just, it's a movie about a character who's just traveling from one location to another to receive exposition. And that's the entire yes. movie. Um, oh, so yeah. it, it's really just a series of theological, not really thought experiments and not but really it, it, debates, but just like theological dissertations, I'll say. It's, yeah, it's, a, it's, it, uh, th- all right. So it's not trying to make you religious, but it is a little preachy, but not in the way you'd think. Where right. it's like Selma Hayek being like, oh, the, the Bible's gender biased. It's a lot of that. It's a lot of every character has a take on the Bible. Everybody and most has a take of those on the Bible, takes, yeah. Yeah, and most of those takes now are very quaint, I would argue. In, right, because this is a... 20-something years later. This is a 23-year-old movie. So, like, these yeah. are ideas that are now almost wrote some of them yeah they're extremely mainstream but it was not the case when this movie came out exactly um and yeah as for the datedness of the humor it's it's probably one of the more tame kevin smith ones jason muse as a or jay as a character is of course very misogynist uh but like that's sort of the a little homophobic too a little homophobic and yeah there's a couple jokes that are homophobic in, in a way, again, we've mentioned that Kevin Smith's brother is gay, which doesn't, like, mean he's allowed to be homophobic. You no, know what but I, mean? I think... But it, it's to give a perspective of where he's coming from. Again, it's very of its time. With it, yeah, I think the other thing that we've talked about in previous episodes is it's, it, like, it, it is of its time, and Kevin Smith has demonstrated both himself and with his movies that he's grown since then. Like, this is, he would not yeah. make the same jokes And he always means today. well. Yeah. The Alanis Morissette being in this is actually very significant because Alanis Morissette plays God in this and she actually had a beef with Kevin Smith before this about the misogyny. And I guess I don't quite... It was in a foreword to... She wrote a foreword to one of the the Jay and Silent Bob comics that I read. And it's been a while. I wish I dug it up. Um, That basically amounted to... She sat and talked to Kevin Smith about it. And then once she understood where he was coming from with the character of Jay, she was like, oh, I'm on board. So, like, it's the sort of thing where Kevin Smith always means well. He's, if you sit and you talk to him, he's, you know, uh, you've, people have seen interviews and stuff. He's a very friendly guy who is always coming from the right place. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it's like when you watch his movies, not everybody's going to like them. And they will, in fact, rub people the wrong way. But, like, they are coming from a place where he's trying. You yeah. know, he's trying to understand people and not punch down, essentially. Yeah. Uh, and so, like, this this is, there's homophobic jokes, but there's also, they constantly mention that, like, yeah, God likes gay people. Like, they do a thing where, like, the, the one of the movie's executives disowned his gay son, mm-hmm. and that's his sin. So they're saying, like, yeah, it still comes down to, like, fucking be nice to people, you know? Yeah be kind um, and accepting and yeah. exactly 
there's uh, that's part of what I like about how they depict God in this is that it's like this prudish weird stuff like sex and yeah and 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 LGBTQ people and like profanity it's like no God wouldn't give a shit about that have you read the Bible you know like it's yeah. that where it's like no why would he care about like fucking beavis and butthead playing on tv you know yeah uh and so like it's a more grounded look at that where it's like again it's about dogma it's about like no those were man-made limitations yeah yeah Um, it's (laughs) i keep coming back to that like i keep having to remind myself this i this was a favorite movie of mine like i loved this movie when it came out i watched it a bunch on dvd um, but I haven't revisited it uh, in probably more than 10 years. Really? Um, yeah, so, I guess me too. Yeah. So watching I, it... F- go ahead. Oh, it's the first Kevin Smith movie I saw in theaters. I know that. Same, yeah. I had I had to catch all the others on video before then. Yeah. Um, although I do remember when uh, Chasing Amy came out. I, mean, I remember when Clerks came out because Clerks was right. a huge deal. And the, you know they had the standees all over... Uh, blockbuster and stuff, but Mallrats just right. passed me right by. I had no idea that movie existed <laughs> until I saw, you know, until I got into Clerks and and Chase. Right. But anyway, the the point is, is it is funny to like watch this movie now and reflect on what a like huge, not huge deal, but like you know, it got dropped by Miramax. That was a huge deal. Like, they right. they blinked in the face of all this controversy, and then it had to get picked up by Lionsgate, which was brand new at the time. Right. Um, and this picking up Dogma sort of solidified Lionsgate as, like, a, an actual studio that would, like, take chances on things. The movie they did right after this was American Psycho, which was another movie that no fucking distributor would touch. Like, no right. studio would touch For American Psycho. For good reason. Psycho. I get it. Um, and then of course, when you watch American Psycho, like all the violence is off screen and it's this very smart, intelligent, uh, sharp satire and it's not at all yeah. what you would think it is. But, um, so it's like the same thing with this movie where you, when you actually sit down and watch the movie, like within its own context, it's like so mild, <laughs> like even for the time it came out, even yeah. for the time it came out. Yeah. And, and like, and, and like watching it now, like you said, it's extremely quaint. <laughs> yeah. It's just like, yeah, this is like basic conversations that people have about religion now. Like, right. um, but it is, in, it is, you, I, I, I need to remind myself and I think it's important to remember uh, just generally that this wasn't a mainstream sort of approach to religion at the time. At least not that I was aware of as a 17 year old. Um, right. So, yeah. Yeah. The movie itself. So, uh, the wildest thing to me about this movie is the casting. Because, like, if uh, going incredible, into this movie... Incredible imagine going cast. In, yeah, imagine going into this movie blind and then Selma Hayek showing up halfway through. Fucking Alan like, Rickman? Fuck? Yeah. <laughs> like... This has some of the most conceptually funny casting. I would argue Chris Rock as a Rufus, <laughs> the apostle, and he's just Chris Rock. He's just Chris Rock. funny Because that's all, I mean, at this time, Chris Rock has gotten better at acting. Yeah. But like at this time, he was just Chris Rock. And he has some, pr- he has some pretty bad deliveries in this movie. <laughs> but yeah. like, it is, so yeah, it is extremely funny. <laughs> Just ben Affleck, Chris Rock as Chris Rock. Yeah, sorry. Ben Affleck and Matt Damon as angels is conceptually funny to me because they're just two bros. 
Um, they play I don't think it that well, was on though. purpose. They play it well. I don't think it was on purpose. Obviously, the first thing, one of the first things you see is George Carlin as a cardinal, and yeah. it's like, oh yeah, of course, that's fucking hilarious. Yeah, that's he's that's, great in it. That is stunt casting. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's just, and then of course Alanis Morissette as God. Um, like Who you was, said, the movie is a series of conversations, and yeah. I did see. I saw, like, I, I think the performances aren't, like, um, what's her name? Who plays Bethany? She's Linda not Fiorent- really doing a great job. Linda Fiorentino. She's a, Linda Fiorentino. She's a good actress. In this, it felt like she wasn't really doing the thing. There's, uh, she, yeah, she seems real. And Kevin Smith has sort of, like, hinted around that, but uh, in, in interviews and such around this time and then subsequently that they didn't get along. And then obviously she hasn't been back to be in any other Kevin Smith right. movies. Um, and so like that might have something to do with it. She's not bad in this movie. She's just very, very understated in most scenes. She doesn't really have much of a character, to be honest. No, it's she doesn't. Just She's, everything happens to her, right? And she that's just, on the writing side. That's the yeah. Problem on the she writing. just she just goes from place to place and receives exposition. That's the entirety yep. of her character. And she never really does much. Like at the end, she does save God, but it it takes like. It's like the only thing she does, um, which is a big deal to save God. But uh, yeah. she does it like because Jay like puts the idea in her head because it starts with God getting beat up, which I would argue. Uh, come on, God. Like, yeah, come get on. your ass kicked. Can't you do something? The... Can't you throw lightning yeah. bolts or some shit? Getting your right. ass beat on the Jersey boardwalk. At yeah. Fucking, in the um, dream sequence yeah. of the Sopranos. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> or the wrestler. I've been there. That's... um. There's a venue called the Stone Pony that's a stone's throw away from that location. Mm-hmm. I pissed right on that boardwalk, right there where God was. Um, nice. Anyway. Yeah, um, on the yeah, Jersey, mo- Jersey Shore. Yeah, people love that one. It's an abandoned casino in the background. That's what it is. And people love filming there. Um, Isn't it also in The Wrestler? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, he goes and meets his daughter there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so... Yeah, God gets beat up, and the idea is Jason Lee puts God in a coma so that God cannot... And again, this feels silly, because it's like, really? God doesn't have... He Basically, God likes to go down and play skee-ball, and uh, if he dies in human form, he or she, it's an it. God is an it. Yeah. Um, uh, then God um, I think just it's, goes it's, back I th- to heaven. I think the the... the intent of that is less that god is an it and more that god is everything yeah yeah actually god is a they then yeah yeah. um and uh and so god gets put in a coma instead and it's like really god you can't can't, figure this one out but it's fine you know like i accept it because this movie yeah it's fine this movie is ultimately just like a fantasy movie um it's it's silly it's supposed to be silly yeah. She says at the end what kind of fucked up deity gets uh like I forget how she puts it, but she's it's the same idea of like what the fuck god. Um and so basically Jason Lee uh uh convinces these two angels uh through like sending them uh a newspaper article that this cardinal is absolving people of their sins automatically because of a rebranding in the church mm-hmm. with Buddy Christ. Um, and it's, Catholicism. Wow, it's kind of re- it's related to the idea of um, oh shoot, what did they call it? indulgences? 
And that's right. That's right. Plan, they say they call it plenary indulgence in this movie, but it's yeah. it's basically like if you've ever read history or something, you used to be able to make donations to the church or do some or just be like the right, uh, like a, a respected or a person in power or something. The idea was that like you could just go and get indulgences from the church that are basically like get out of jail free cards. Yeah, which is a really it's a perfect it's start very- to talking about. Talk um, about how dogma is bullshit. Like dogmatic belief is bullshit, right? Because it's like yeah, exactly. Because it's like it's a get at a free right. So you can just like free. you can just go to like a cardinal and just be like, yeah, all your sins are forgiven, and they're all forgiven. Like really? Yeah, yeah. No, it, so, it's, and so it's yeah. So it's beginning with like this really hypocritical aspect of certain, I guess, uh, denominations of Christianity. I don't think yeah. every every denomination does this. But it's it's, and, uh, it's very pointedly beginning with that like seed of well this is really hypocritical and then all of the film's criticisms and sort of discussions around Catholicism come from that starting point, right? It's a cool and, idea. Um, yeah, the two angels see Grant Hicks, Dante's cousin, I believe, mm-hmm. who's a news anchor, uh, reporting on this. They're at, they're at an airport in a very pre nine eleven scene because uh, they're in the airport, like just sitting uh, there, yeah. Yeah, uh, planning a massacre in an airport, uh, and uh, they they realize like, oh, we're, so they're fallen angels. God casts them out, but if they if they cut off their wings and walk through uh, this church to be absolved and then die, they will get to heaven. They found a loophole, and they will now go to heaven. What they don't realize, and what Jason Lee, the demon Azrael, uh, knows, is that it'll actually undo reality because it proves God wrong. So that's that's the stakes, uh, and they they decide to also do a plan a massacre, because um, Loki is the god of death, right? Angel of death, a- yeah, Matt. Angel Damon. of death, Matt Damon, and then uh, Baffleck is uh, just like a preachy ass. He like judges people. Bartleby, um, he watches people. He watches. Yeah. So he knows everybody's sins essentially. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so that's the plan. <laughs> Uh, on the way, they stop by Randall, the gun stone store owner. Yeah, which I forgot about. Oh yeah, um, Clerks Two so, was on the distant horizon at this point. Yep, it's true. And so Metatron, played by Alan Rickman, uh, shows up to Bethany, who is a works in an abortion clinic with Janine Garofalo, who's <laughs> who's nailing the Kevin Smith dialogue. I would assume. I would. I would say like certain actors can't nail the dialogue. I thought Janine was doing a good job. Oh yeah, I it's think like, Chris Rock like her. Chris Rock does okay. Jason Lee does really well with it. Yeah, well, Chris, well, yeah. Jason Lee is a professional. Chris Rock, I think, improvised. And I remember yeah. specifically this movie. If in on the DVD, I'm pretty sure there's a gag reel of this. I remember that Kev, uh, Ben Affleck loves to improvise for Kevin Smith, and Kevin Smith every time just goes like, "Okay, well." Let's do a second take and say the lines because Ben Affleck's improv is always the worst. <laughs> like there's a whole do, Kevin Smith thing about that. I do remember him talking about there's a scene in the town where like Ben Affleck's character is just talking about bullshit with one of the other characters at a table in like right. a diner or something. And I think this was on like Smodcast or something where Kevin Smith was just like, I know that was just Ben Affleck doing Mad Libs. Like I know yeah. he just sat there. and was like, all right, let's do a fun take with some improv. <laughs> The, the example I remember is he was talking about filming Chasing Amy. And when they're, they're talking about um, uh, uh, like uh, uh, lesbian sex and he says and she says, like, 
And he's like, what if, you know, what if it's more intimate or something like that, where she suggests the fisting? And Ben Affleck said, like, what if you want to get more intimate? What do you punch him in the head? Smith <laughs> was just like, okay, cut. What? Yeah. <laughs> like, all right, let's do it again. Like, because, yeah, Ben Affleck, you can tell he's a guy who thinks he's very funny. Yeah. And uh, isn't necessarily <laughs> that funny. He he really puts that energy into the world. Guy yeah. who thinks he's very funny. Yeah. <laughs> We've talked about Matt Damon is pretty damn good. I, I have a conspiracy theory. I never confirmed it that Loki was originally played by Jason Lee or supposed to be because his lines are pure fucking like Brody. Maybe like his lines are very Jason Lee. When you watch I, it and you imagine Jason Lee saying the lines. I could see that, but I think it's it's also one. It's a symptom of being written by the same person, uh, of and, they're, course, yeah. and they're similar type characters. But Azrael feels really clearly Jason Lee to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, oh yeah, he's very Jason Lee as well. The, conceptually, that like I can see Kevin Smith writing that character specifically for Jason Lee. Right. It's like I want to see Jason Lee play a villain this way, so I'm gonna write that character. Right. But that is interesting. I, I, uh, I could see that. Like, I could see him doing those lines for sure. Yeah. And they had just done Chasing Amy. That's also why I th- was thawing, thinking about it. Um, so, yeah, these two Boston jackasses are uh, on this mission. Uh, Metatron tells Bethany she has to stop them. She'll run into two prophets. I would argue uh, that Chainsaw um, and Bob are a weird presence in this. I they're, mean, I don't they're, they're the strangest elements of the movie. I wanted to talk about Alan Rickman real quick. Alan Rickman is great in this because he's Alan Rickman. He's great. But also his dialogue is really good. Yeah. And it, I think it, it, uh, we talked about it in the Tusks episode, I think, uh, with Michael Parks, where there's just Kevin Smith often gets critiqued for being overwritten or like too wordy. Um, but there's certain characters and certain tones uh, that I never really noticed until we started doing the show that he gets really well. And like Michael Park's character in Tusk is a perfect character for him. It turns out this like spooky yeah. horror guy. And then like Alan Rickman playing this, this uh, eternal angel who's wise, but also a little weary, but he's also speaking with authority. Like he really nails this dialogue. It's, it seems so perfectly natural and not just because Alan Rickman is such a good actor, but that's a lot of it. But like the dialogue yeah. itself is written really well for this character. It's a it's really good weird. character. Yeah. Yeah. I would say all the biblical characters, they all feel like they're people who've worked somewhere for a long time Yeah, and are like kind of exhausted. Yeah. Um, I love the line where he's talking about, if you heard the voice of God, your chest would explode and your head would cave in yeah. as we went through five atoms before we figured that one out. <laughs> That's a great line. Such a good joke, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, and of course there's that story about how once Alan Rickman got cast, Kevin Smith took Jason Mewes aside and like told him, like, yeah. listen, this is a movie now. Yeah, you, you can't fuck be around. Your best yeah. and, then, and then Jason Mewes proceeded to memorize the script. Yep. The uh, entire script. Because it is like Jason Mewes acting in a scene with Alan Rickman is fucking bizarre That is to watch. bananas, yeah. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of that George Carlin being in this because like, obviously George Carlin and Kevin Smith have a they have a relationship after this mm-hmm. but it's just like wow it's George same with Chris Rock these are all people from like different worlds and it's like Dogma is the first like you made it movie for Kevin Smith I would argue 
yeah. where he's pulling like serious actors the and people comedians. that that aren't just like because for the most part, Clerks, Mallrats. There's a couple of exceptions in Mallrats and Chasing Amy. Um, it's they're, his buddies. They're people he knows. Yeah, like yeah, yeah, like Ben Affleck and Matt Damon. They're they're big stars, but they're also his friends. Yeah, he gave um, them their career. Yeah, so it's he's just pulling his friends, and this was sort of you're right. It's the first sort of I've arrived. Here's my big casting flex. Right. Uh, this cast is nuts. Yeah, it's nuts, and it's it's watching the two like these two groups interact, getting to see Hooper, Hooper, uh, in Hooper the strip X, club. yeah, in the strip yeah. club, yeah. Um, and then Selma Hayek, like interacting with Jay and Silent Bob is so yeah. It, it, I never get over that imagery where I was like, that's fucking weird. Uh, and so yeah, it's basically like we said, a series of conversations. Um, at the end, they they figure out that God is in the in the body of what's his name, Bud Court. Is Bud that Court. his name? Yeah, Bud Court. Yeah, uh, Harold from Harold and Maude. And, yeah. um And God shows up as Alanis Morissette and uh, ex- explodes. Uh, well, Loki gets killed by Bartleby, and then she explodes the head of, of Bartleby. Bartleby. Yep. I have a question: Where did they go? Did th- Loki go to hell? I think they went to heaven. Well, so Loki must have, because Loki didn't get for, like, I think you're right, because at the end he says thank you to her, mm-hmm. uh, to God, and, and so it implies that she is forgiving. She is forgiving them, yeah. But Loki at least spent, like, five minutes in hell, right? Because, maybe, maybe. Because he gets killed. After he's done a whole lot of murder. Well, presumably, yeah, and he we're actually, through. we're not sure if he's murdered anyone at that scene. That's, well, he certainly murdered people he earlier. He certainly murdered people earlier, yeah, that's true. <laughs> Yeah. movies and then he also shoots scott mosher in the head on the bus yeah <laughs> he sure does so he definitely yeah scott mosher's cameo yeah the movies the movies scene is that that scene is intense uh it, it was like, it was always intense but it's even yeah. more intense now like it's like man this is like because again it's spree shooting shit it's pre 9-11 and it's pre it's not pre columbine but it definitely is like it was written when we it knew was that written gun before violence. Columbine, but yeah, it's yeah. and it's it's very right wing because they're executing people for sins against God, and, and I mean it's meant to be. For like, the be, record, they're the villains. I was like, going to say it's meant yeah. to be uncomfortable, even though there are jokes in it and it's funny and there's there's like quotable lines in this scene, but these are the two bad guys. These are the villains. Yeah, well, um, it's, that's my other thing about this movie that's so interesting. This is like the closest Kevin Smith has done to like a mainstream, like almost super, not superhero, but like th- th- this is the closest. This is the first time he's done something that's like actiony and adventure yeah. and like has bad guys. Like he doesn't, he had bad guys in his other movies, but they were like not murderers. Like right, this they're, is the first they're... time he has murder in one of his movies. Yeah. And the bad guys are complex. Yep. Like you, That's what you, I was going to get to, yeah. Yeah, you feel bad for them, and you understand where they're coming from. Like, even Asriel, like, you understand yeah. where he's coming from and why he's doing oh, yeah. what he's doing. Asriel basically is in hell. Yeah. And he's an ex-muse that is in hell, and he hates hell. There's a cut scene mm-hmm. that's, that should have been in the movie about hell, where he explains what hell is. I'm sure you've seen it, Tom, right? Yeah, he, like, it's, he, he shows he, Bethany what hell is like. Yeah, but I didn't. I, the showing part, I was always found less interesting. It's the part where he explains 
that hell used to just be the absence of God. And then once humans started going to hell, they brought all their guilt there and made it a suffering pit. And I thought that was a really cool idea. It is. Is that yeah. like for the angels, just being not near God was hell alone. And then humans made like because humans stopped believing in God, so they had to, uh, or they I've, didn't know the presence of God, so they had to create, make hell like worse. And so the whole point is he'd rather not exist than be in hell. Yeah. Is, is what it comes down to. He's yeah. committing suicide. Yes. Um, and that, yeah, it's, it's these, these are the elements that are like really cool, like uh, really elaborate. Um, yeah. In and terms like, of, again, like in terms of storytelling, this is really like, he's always, Kevin Smith always has a good idea f- um, of uh, interpersonal stories. Yeah, um, but he. This is really the first time we get to see him really play around with um, super complicated uh, ideas of um, morality and motivation. I guess is what I'm trying to say. It's it where yeah. the stakes are a lot higher because like before the stakes are just like the sort of woe is me navel gazing, which he's still very good at. Yeah. Um, having just watched Clerks three, he's still very good at that. This is sort of like the first time he's, and I think kind of the only time since then, uh, that he's stepped into sort of, well, maybe not. No, he's done other films. Well. Like, broader than just, like, what are the, ter- like, I don't know what I'm trying to say exactly, but it's, it's it rep- this, this film represents a significant growth for him, not yeah. just as a, a filmmaker and as a person who can populate his movies with impressive casts, uh, and not just as a writer, but, like, as... Conceptually and and a, and a storyteller, I think this is a significant movie for him. Yeah, um, which is interesting comparing, uh, considering what we're going to compare it to. I would see, yeah, because watching just violence in Kevin Smith movies is weird enough. I here's what I think he was going for. I think this movie is supposed to be biblical in its plot, in the sense that it's supposed to play out like a story in the Bible like mm-hmm. a fable. Um, and so like their motivations are all feel like kind of simple. And there's like, there's, there's massacres, there's betrayal, you know, like there's all these elements that are very biblical. And the point is to show that they're also very human. And I think that's the idea is to, it's, it's again, to bring humanity to the stories of the Bible, to be like, look how human they're being playing out this biblical uh, scale story. It's um- and. Yeah, it's his like, argument is like that's that's how it always was. The Bible was written by people who made these characters, these uh, uh, these people, out to be more dramatic and well spoken than they were. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's like Paradise Lost. Like Paradise yeah. Lost humanizes the devil, and like when you yeah. read that, when you read that story, you're like, oh shit, I get it. Like I get what his beef was. I get why he did what he did. Right. Um, and this this movie is doing the same thing. Yeah. And that is probably the best appeal for uh, Jay and Silent Bob being in it. That said, it's still weird because it's so you need weird context. that they're there. Yeah, it doesn't fit in the Viewskew universe. That's the thing about this movie is that it's very like if you read the Jay and Silent Bob comics, they work this into it. Um, they show like the adventure that Jay and Silent Bob was on before they got into Dogma. It actually ends with them literally in a parking lot. And they hear someone scream and they run off. Um, and uh, 
but it still never felt like it belonged. You know what I mean? Like it's such a weird detail that Jay and Silent Bob, the best, the thing that saves it is that only Jay and Silent Bob are aware of it. They're like R2, D2 and C3PO in that regard. Um, but it is, it's always so weird. Like they could have just been like, I like the idea of the prophets being these really flawed idiot stoners, but the fact that they're like these characters who have so much, uh, lore around them always felt weird. Yeah. It's like having, um, not, I mean, not exactly, but it would be like having Spider-Man in the movie. Yeah. In a way, if you, I think if you watch this movie without the context of them, it would still make sense. It still works. But there'd be yeah. moments where you go, what the hell? Um, it, it also has one of my favorite plant and payoffs. Uh, it's so childish, but the part where they they really think Bethany's going to fuck them. And then he negotiates her down to, let's say we have five minutes to live. The world is ending. Would you fuck me? And she's like, sure, whatever. And then they, they let you forget about it for the longest time. And then the world is literally going to end in five minutes. And Jay whisks her aside. And, and it's like, all right, let's do this. Yeah, let's do and this. And he's like, he's never forgotten. That's nope. all he wants. Yeah, he's it's been his thinking main of, goal. He's been thinking about it the whole time. Yeah. yeah. And that's a very, very good payoff, I yeah. thought. I think free of the context of the rest of the Kevin Smith movies, they do work within this film. You don't need any yeah. addition. I mean, Silent Bob is odd, but like you don't. Yeah, he's he's the weirder of the two, honestly. Yeah, you're but you're surrounded by such fantastical characters that it hardly registers, yeah. I think. Um so I think being more familiar, the more familiar you are with Kevin Smith's movies, the stranger Jay and Silent Bob's presence in the movie is. Yeah. But it also was a delight to watch like Chris Rock interact with Jason Mewes. That shit is so weird. Uh to watch um yeah, with alan rickman is, it's fun. jason muse doing scenes yeah. with alan rickman yeah what the fuck yeah it's so it's so goddamn weird i loved um this is a, an aside that when he says they're there because of john hughes and she's like 16 candles john hughes and he just goes you know that guy too that yep. fucking guy that's, a good that's such a weird line <laughs> yeah it really is they also later insult home alone which is a john hughes film yes uh, that's a weird running theme. I uh, uh, I don't know. Um, I don't know what that means. I don't think it means it. I think it's just a, a running gag. Yeah. Um, I want to note that this movie, I believe, Da Vinci Codes before the Da Vinci Code, right? Um, the idea that Bethany is a descendant of Jesus. Yeah. Which I'm sure didn't start with this movie either. No, they've played... I mean, there's elements of it in the, in Scorsese's Last Temptation of Christ. Yeah. Um, there's other... Uh, and I know that wasn't the first time that idea came around. Um, yeah. But I guess so. Yeah, maybe a little bit. I don't know. Um, I have stray notes. Again, Ben Affleck is never not funny as an angel to me. When he like, whips out his wings and stuff, I just can't not see Ben Affleck going to donkeys. You know? <laughs> I, I mean, just which, can't. it's funny because he is good in this movie. <laughs> like, yeah, he is, but he, he's still Ben Affleck. He's still Ben Affleck, but he does like he has one of the most compelling arcs in the movie where he starts out. Yeah, you're on his side. Totally. He's totally sympathetic to humans. He he makes every time he speaks, he makes total sense. And then he has a turn partway through the movie and it's earned like the turn is earned. It is. He just loses his fucking he mind. He just fucking yeah. loses it. He's so. Yeah, and so he becomes just this 
relentless murderous villain in the final act and it makes total sense and he plays it very well what's Um, interesting about this movie is that most of the characters could have their own movies i could watch a whole movie about two bored angels on earth exactly uh that that then that's how it starts is that that's what i really like about the way they depict their characters and it's so interesting because it's kevin smith but it uh, works which mm-hmm. is that Kevin Smith depicted, again, all the angels and stuff as bored employees, which is something that he is familiar with. He made Clerks. Like, it's no different than Clerks. Mm-hmm. Um, but it works because the, the idea is that these characters have lived for fucking, you know, thousands of years. Yeah, and you're, um, just, you're a cog in a machine that you can't totally understand because you can't yeah. see the entirety of it. It's just this circuitous dense obfuscating entity that you are in service to and you're right and it, it it does translate super yep. well i never thought the about dogma that. the dogma part where it's like stupid rules that don't make sense everything is you know silly and dumb like it really translates yeah uh it's both like the weirdest kevin smith movie and yet extremely fitting I mean, I think it's his best movie, probably, right? It's his best movie. I think most people would say that. Um, the final detail I just really love is Bethany stepping on Jay to talk to God. I don't know why. I love that they include the shot to make <laughs> sure we know that she steps on Jay. Um, also, it's really weird that God impregnates her. I know it's very biblical, but I'd be mad. Yeah, because I like had plans. Right, and like... She works at a clinic. Is God going to help out raise the kid? Is God yeah. going to give her money? God going to send I, me some some uh, some child support? Right. I would imagine that they're probably uh, looking out for her, but I'd still be like, "Come on, give me like, get, like let me win the lottery or can something." You, can Jesus. you hook me up? Yeah. Can I yeah. Get a, yeah. You impregnated me, Alanis Morissette. Yeah. It's fucking weird. <laughs> It's like Janosch and Ghostbusters too. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm sure there'll be many perks like free parking. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> there are many perks to being the mother of a living God. Yep. <laughs> uh, I got to watch that. Yeah, it's pretty um, sweet. Yeah. But yeah, this is, I, I think this is his best movie, right? I think so. Well, probably. Um, it's It's been interesting revisiting a lot of these and then seeing some of them for the first time. Like I never expected to like Tusk as much as I did. Yeah. Um, but Tusk really fucking works. Yeah. And now that we're at the part where we talk about how it'll compare, right? Are we at that part? Yes. I, I, I assume so. I would argue that red state is also a growth moment in the director. It's also probably his next most violent film like this until red state. I, I think Dogma was his most violent film. Um, and so it's bloody. It's different. It's, it's, um, and of course, it has to do with... It's also about dogmatic belief. Exactly. It has to do with dogmatic religious belief and coming down on it and coming down on acts of biblical smite, like the Mubi's massacre versus what happens in Red State. It comes down on being anti-gay. Um, it, it comes down on like human attempts to like wield God as a weapon. Mm-hmm. For their own purposes. Yeah. So, so they're, yeah, they do. And I swear we're not doing this on purpose. <laughs> we're just, no, we just, we're we starting, just we're starting time. at opposite ends and just moving inward. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, this, this actually I think is really going to match up 
And Red State's a movie I haven't seen in 10 years. Like, I saw it when it came out, and it, it's right. been since then. So, um, just based on my fuzzy recollection of it, I really do think, like, these two are going to line up in a lot of ways. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, I agree. I think so. Which is so interesting that, like, so many of his movies have lined yeah, it's up. Yeah, like he even, planned it. Even the ones that we didn't expect would. Yeah. <laughs> We're like, there's no way. And then we watch them like, oh, actually, they do connect in a, a lot of weirdly thematic ways. Yeah. it's Which, I mean, if you take a further step back, it, it's not that strange because it's all coming from the same filmmaker. And he's obviously, right. he's thinking about the same couple of themes for the past 20 years. It's been just what he's been making movies about. Right. Um, yeah. No, but it, yeah. It, it, it's like... It's like matching up Tarantino films where it's like, yeah, it's Tarantino. He yeah. makes similar films. He has the same bullshit on his mind, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, it's just Kevin Smith films are very, they're oddly diverse when you, th- when you stand back from them too, about what they're about. Like, obviously like Mallrats and Clerks are on the same wavelength, but then like Chasing Amy, that's not a hanging out movie. That's not a no. slacker movie. No. And then Dogma is way the fuck out there. Uh, you know, like he does, he jumps around. Chainsaw and Bob, that's going to be like an adventure movie. That thing's going to be out of control. <laughs> that's but, like his, that's like his grand opus, right? That was when he was on top of the world and literally he had to turn away people to be in that film, uh, which I always thought was interesting. That is, that is interesting. Yeah. It's, yeah. Um, there's a cut scene of Adam Carolla, which I'm like, good cut. Good, good cut. Kevin Smith. Yeah. Way, way to anticipate that one. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, and that was also supposed to close out the View Askew universe. Like, he wasn't supposed yeah. to do any more with Jay and Silent Bob or anything after that, but obviously he didn't do that. Um, yeah, there's there's a Easter egg about that, which is that at the end when Alanis Morissette closes the book, it's only uh, bookmarked halfway through. So that was his way of being like, mm, maybe. We'll see. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> and then he immediately was like, yes, we're, we're going to keep going. Oh, also, but, there's a, uh, I had meant to bring this up earlier, but you just mentioned Alanis Morissette again, so I'll bring it up again. Um, initially, the thought was that it was going to be Emma Thompson that would play God. Oh, shit. Because she's friends with Alan been... Rickman. And Alan Rickman, uh, uh, from what I've read in interviews with Kevin Smith, came to Kevin Smith and was like, look, we could get her. Like, I could I could I get Alan her to Rickman. be in this, do the cameo for it. And it wound up falling through, be- I think because she was pregnant. Oh, that's fair. And couldn't do it. Nobody wants a pregnant god. Well, I, it would just—it would be making a specific statement, I think. In the and you know, also she does like cartwheels and standing on her head and stuff. Yeah, I mean, and pregnant people are gross. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Um. It, yeah. It. Uh. Yeah. That's fucked up. That it would be her. I love Alan Rickman. Is such a fucking. He's such a team player. Mm-hmm. Where he's just like, oh yeah, I'll do this. Yeah. You want me to wear this dickless uh, prosthetic? Sure. sure. I don't give a shit. You want to? Uh, yeah. yeah. They put the wings on it, and he talked. I think he talked about that, but I definitely read Kevin Smith talking about it. The wings fucked his back up bad. Damn. Because it's like I know they. Yeah, I know they originally had prosthetic ri- wings more, and they like they did more digital work than they thought. Like when Ben Affleck is flying down, that was originally the fake wings, and they said it looked hilarious, so they had to. CGI it because <laughs> they didn't move, so it just looked like he was being lowered. 
<laughs> like like on which is what was happening which is what is happening yeah it's they the wings were like they look great in the in the scene where alan rickman reveals his wings they look incredible yeah um, but they're it's huge. This, yeah, they're these they're huge. They're this complicated harness with a bunch of pulleys that are being operated by more than one person. Uh, and it's just ripping his back up. Yeah, poor Alan it. Rickman. Yeah, you can kind of see it on his face, too. <laughs> like, right. He's like, this sucks, but I'm I'm holding this expression. Yeah. <laughs> I bet the most annoying person on set for Alan Rickman was Kevin Smith. Because <laughs> like. <laughs> He'd be the one asking him about Die Hard and shit, right? Yeah. Like, that would be the one. Everybody else would try to be on their best behavior, but... Uh, yeah, and that's man. what yeah, that's what Jason Mewes said, according to Kevin Smith, was, you know, he told him, oh, you can't, like, snoochie boochies around. This is fucking Alan yeah. Rickman. Like, this is a real movie. So he went and learned the whole script, and then Kevin Smith takes him aside. He's like, what did you do that for? He's like, I didn't want to piss off that Rickman guy. <laughs> so... So I think this is part of the charm of Kevin Smith movies and watching them is that Jason Mewes is a stoner. Yeah. Uh, from New Jersey. He is just actually, that character. Yeah. When I went to New Jersey, I actually ran into an old girlfriend of Kevin Smith and she was telling me about his childhood and he did not have a good childhood. He, uh, his mom and his, his family was not, they were, it wasn't great. He, he, you know, he, he's just a street kid. And then just watching the street kid, have this like rags to riches getting to like do scenes with like George Carlin and Ben Affleck. You mean and Muse, Alan right? Rickman. Muse. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Just to clarify. Um, yeah. Yeah. And it's wild. And then of course the heroin stuff that happened later and the fact that he's clean now mm -hmm. is just like, as uh, whether or not you like Kevin Smith stuff, whether or not Jay and Silent Bob appeal to you as characters. Again, Jay is definitely a misogynist character. Um, Watching this one with Hana, she was talking about the thing that she noticed that I wanted to relay is like, it's the character of Jay is okay. It's the fact that no one gets to really like, there's no women who get to like dunk on him or like, like reply to what he says. Right, they just sort of roll their eyes and that's it. Yeah, he's supposed to be the fool, but there's not enough of, it's sort of like kind of what... Kevin Smith is nowhere near as bad, but it's sort of like what happened with Cartman over the years on South Park. Yeah, exactly. Where they forgot to have somebody point out that he's fucking wrong or that exactly. he's talking out of his ass. Yeah. <clears throat> but it's not um, It's not as bad with... with it's not as egregious because Car yeah. Jason, Jay isn't going off on the Jews. Yeah, uh, and, in, and, in yeah. and in later films, Jay does get dunked on. <laughs> Like he in, does. In, he does a little bit in this. A little bit, a, in, a little bit in this one, but she, uh, I think, it's it, this is a dated aspect of it. But like Linda Fiorentino treats him like a child throughout the movie. Yeah, because that's all he's worth. Um, right. It's exactly. it's it's more pronounced like Jay and Silent Bob reboot or like Clerks Two, where like it is very obvious that Jay's supposed to be the fool. Right, and also that that's one of the benefits of the reboot is they do the thing where it's like this young group of women are like, fuck you, man. Yeah. Like <laughs> what the hell yeah. is this guy? Yeah. yeah. Where like they bring, he does bring in that element of like, Jay is out of his time and yeah. the, the young people are like, you can't say that shit. That's fucked up. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it, they get there. Um, fuck. I don't All know right. what else we got to say. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We, I feel we've like we've talked for half like the length of the movie. Of, yeah. Yeah. This was like a stream of consciousness. Uh, I feel like, um, well, well there okay. was, so, there's only like two sections to this show, right? Segments? Oh yeah. But like, you know what I mean is when we talk about Kevin Smith, we, 
we just sort of gush about the things we like. I don't That's know. That's true. This this was definitely an interesting podcast. We're very good, Tom. We We're are. Very good. We're the best, Dave. Yeah. <laughs> you know who else is the best? Who's that? At Nerd Numbers. Thank you, uh, at Nerd Numbers. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. We obviously were enjoying this. We, yeah. Uh, yeah, we're, we're um, you know, uh, any excuse to watch Kevin Smith films. It's kind of, Kevin Smith films are kind of like um, uh, a weird comparison. They're like the Back to the Future films where it's like I've seen them enough times that I don't need to see them again. Yeah. So it's nice rewatching them. It's like the Indiana Jones movies for me. Yeah, but uh, that's a good the, the the experience I'm having going back through this is I hadn't revisited a lot of these movies in a decade or more. Um, yeah, and some like Tusk that I'd never seen before, flat out. Um, so I think one of the more interesting uh, parts of doing the show for me has been to go back and revisit these movies because uh, I had sort of written them off in my mind as being like, oh, this was a period we you know when you were. Uh, uh, high school and a young young adult uh, in in his early twenties. These are the movies that you were watching, but like they're super. You don't you you've you've outgrown these movies, so it's been interesting to go back and watch them and realize, oh, these are actually pretty good. Yeah, like most of them, most of them are pretty good. Um, yeah, they still exactly. hold up in a lot of ways. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, they they held up more than yeah more, more than, than I ex- more than a I lot expected of stuff from this time more than yeah. I expected. That let me uh, put this back to back with American yeah. Pie. Oh, I, <laughs> you know, like, I watched American Pie like a longer than maybe two or three years ago. But that movie is abominable. <laughs> like, yeah. Oh, yeah. Ah. That, movie's, uh, that movie's a villain. That movie is a felony. Yeah. Oh, man. All right. Well, nerd numbers. Thank you. Thank you. This was through our Patreon. Patreon.com slash gamefully unemployed. If you go on there, if you spend five dollars a month, just five dollars of your dollars, you get access to four different podcasts. Uh, Tom and Jeff watch Batman. Fox Mulder is a maniac. Star Trek The Next Futurama. And Spielboys. Mm. Uh, we're brimming with those podcasts. There's a bunch of backlogged. There's always new ones every month. Sometimes weekly. Um, it, it, it's, uh, there's a lot to offer there for just $5 a month. We also have tiers where you can get custom podcasts, which is what you're listening to now. Uh, custom we just watched episodes there's a bunch of stuff we watch movies every friday night with our patrons uh we're we're doing it we're doing it we're living the dream we come are. join our dream yeah uh, uh admit one to our dream yeah uh we also have a store head over to gameplayunemployed.com you can find a link to our teespring store where we have all kinds of cool original artwork and designs you can get on t-shirts mugs stickers posters all sorts of things so yeah. slap your angelic peepers onto yeah. that website and check out the Bible. Uh, the Bible. Mm, 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 no. Mm-mm. I've never read it, but I hear a lot about it. Nor have I. Yeah, I'm not going to read the Bible. I'm not doing that. Look at it. It's long. Yeah, look, look at it. It's the least appealing looking book. Like Paper's just visually weird. speaking. What's yeah. up with the paper they print Bibles on? What the fuck is up with that paper? It's like tissue paper. It's like tissue it's paper, right? Yeah. Like I, I'm supposed to wrap fucking salami in this paper. Yeah. What Ooh, is this paper? Yeah, I don't get it. Not for me. Give it some of that glossy ass paper that they use on uh, comic books and graphic novels and shit. Then I'll read yep. it. Or pop up book. There it is. There yep. it is. Yeah, that's the key. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Uh, <laughs> all right, bye. Bye. Noise, noise, noise.
smoking weed, smoking weed, doing coke, drinking beers.